Chapter Twenty Three of Rival Pitchers of Oakdale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. Rival Pitchers of Oakdale by Morgan Scott. Chapter Twenty Three. Hooker breaks with Radcliffe. Passing Hooker's home on his way down into the village Thursday evening, Ratcliffe saw a light in the carriage house, which led him to fancy he might find Roy there. In this he was not mistaken. Hooker was puttering over his motorcycle by the light of a lantern. Hearing a footstep on the gravel outside, he looked up and perceived the visitor entering by the open door. "'Hello,' said Herbert. "'Hello,' grunted Hooker without any effort at cordiality or welcome. "'Tickering with that old thing again, I see,' coughed Radcliffe. "'Thanks to you, I am.' "'Thanks to me?' "'Yes, it's been out of order ever since you used it last. Baseball practice doesn't give me much time to work on it by daylight, and so I'm trying to get her running now. Take my advice and pay somebody to remove the thing. It's the biggest old lemon I ever saw. All it's worth is its price is junk.' "'Gee, I'm feeling rotten.' He sat down on a box, coughing again. Indeed, Herbert did not look well, and there seemed to be something of an alarming nature in the sound of his cough. His thin cheeks were flushed and feverish. "'You don't have to worry yourself about it,' returned Roy warmly. "'It's mine, and I presume I can do anything I please with it.' "'Awfully touchy tonight,' muttered Radcliffe. He lit a cigarette, but the first whip threw him into a most distressing fit of coughing, and he flung it out through the open door. "'Can't seem to get anything out of the smoke,' he complained. "'Cigarettes don't taste good, and they raise the merry dickens with this old cough of mine. I got a beastly headache, and I suppose I ought to be in bed. But I've got to get down to the post office. Expect a letter from Newbert tonight.' "'So you're corresponding with him, are you?' said Roy." "'wiping his greasy hands on some cotton waste. "'Sure, why not? We're chums, you know. "'And, of course, you still think him the greatest pitcher that ever happened?' "'He is just about the greatest in his class. "'You'll find that out Saturday. "'Watch how he shows Cowboys Grant up. "'Say, Springer rather show that fellow up, too, didn't he? "'How do you mean? "'You know, the way he made him pull his horns and take water.' "'Who says Phil Springer made Rod Grant take water?' "'I do. I was there and saw it. "'Your Texan hasn't got any nerve. "'He's the biggest case of fake to be found in seven states. "'He's strong, I'm not denying that. "'But when he saw that Springer really meant business, "'he didn't dare do a thing.' "'I've heard the fellows talking about it,' said Hooker. "'But I don't believe Grant was afraid of Phil Springer.' A fellow who could take the chance he did to save Leela Barker from drowning couldn't be frightened by Springer. I've heard about that, too, and as near as I can make out, Grant took those chances because he had to. Had to? Why? He had to, after he got caught by the current and carried over the dam with a the girl. There couldn't be any backing out then. I'll bet he never would have jumped into the water at all if he'd stop a moment to consider the danger. According to the story I've heard, it was really that big lout, Bunk Lander, who did the great act of heroism and saved both Grant and Baker Girl. 
but of course Grant got most of the credit anyway. I know that some fellows have lost a bit of their confidence in the cowpuncher since Springer faced him down. They're due to get the rest of it shaken out before the game ends Saturday. I suppose you're mighty confident again that Oakdale will get beaten. It's a certainty this time, Hook. Let me give you a little tip. You lost some money on that game with Barville, and this is the chance to win it back. Bet on Wyndham Saturday, and you'll even up your mistake before. Mistake? It wasn't my mistake. It was yours. Besides, you didn't keep your word about making good on any loss I might suffer. You put me in a nasty hole, Ratcliffe. I don't see why. To hear you talk, anybody might think you were ruined, instead of merely getting hit for less than a fiver. Never knew a fellow to put up such a squeal over a little money. Hooker's cheeks were flushed, and he faced Herbert, his undershot jaw seeming to project still further than usual. "'I lost more than that,' he said. "'What? You did? Why? You only gave me four dollars, and I lost something more than money. You didn't tell me about it. I haven't told anyone but my mother. I had to tell her the other day when you wanted me to bet on the game I told you I didn't have the money.' "'Yes?' but I knew where my mother had some money put away in a drawer. Some money she had been saving up a little at a time to buy material for a new dress. I went to that drawer and took the money. You were so positive that I could not lose, that I, well, I stole the money. Dear me, said Herbert, grinning and coughing behind his thin hand. What did the old girl say when she found out? She never suspected me, said Roy. She couldn't think I would do such a thing, and I had lied about it. When she discovered the money was gone and became distressed over its loss, I lied. You would have been a fool if you'd owed up. I was a fool to touch a cent of that money in the first place. I was a fool to listen to your blarney, Radcliffe, just because I was idiot enough to believe in you. I made myself a thief and a liar. Oh, I've been punished for it. All right, never knew I had a conscience that could make me squirm so much. Some nights I slept mighty mean. Ah, oh, you make me laugh. It wasn't anything to take a few paltry dollars like that. Your mother'll never know. She knows now. What? I told her. You did, said Radcliffe. Sure. Well, you're a big chump. What made you do that? I had to couldn't understand how rotten I felt when I saw her crying over the loss of that money. I was ashamed and sick, oh, I sick like a dog. I made up my mind I'd pay it back every cent. And so you can tell her if you just get hold of another fiver and bet it on Wyndham. I paid it back already, all but fifty cents. Why do you think I stayed out of school to work at an old job I could get? I'm not particularly stuck on work, but I couldn't go on feeling that I was a thief, that it's stolen from my own mother. That's what you brought me to, Ratcliffe. Herbert sneered. That's right. Blame it all on me and let yourself out entirely. Now let me tell you something, my bucko. It wasn't your overwhelming conceit, your jealousy of Springer and Grant, your itching desire to see them get their bumps, that led you, as much as anything else, to bet against Oakdale. In that first game you were sore on Elliot, too, because he didn't put you into pitch, and you couldn't pitch a little bit. When I bet against Oakdale, I did so on judgment. You did so because of prejudice and spite. Now, don't put me on any virtuous frills with me. 
I'm not feeling good today, and you make me tired. The insolent of the fellow infuriated Hooker, who, nevertheless, knew there was no little truth in what he had been told. Restraining himself with an effort, Roy attempted to retort sarcastically. So you bid on judgment, did you? Well, you must confess your judgment was mighty poor, and to make the thing safe, you made arrangements to betray Oakdale's pitching signals to Barville. I didn't know anything about that until after the game. If I had known in advance, now what would you have done? Asked Herbert, snapping his fingers. If you had found out about that after your money was wagered on Barville, I presume you would have warned your dear friend Elliot and sacrificed everything. I presume you would have warned your dear friend Elliot and sacrificed everything. I've noticed that you have kept mighty still about it since you did find out. Yes, I kept still because you failed in your crooked scheme and because, well, because I wasn't anxious to have it known that I bent the way I did and I knew you'd retaliate by peaching on me if I breathed a word concerning you. Herbert laughed and coughed at the same time. So, wise boy, I certainly should have done just that. Let me tell you now that things will be fixed doubly solid for the game next Saturday, and... Look here, cried Roy, facing a visitor threateningly. If you attempt to repeat that trick in Wyndham, I'll expose you sure as shooting. I mean it. You can't frighten me. You can't tell me that I bet against my own team if you want to, but I presume you're perfectly willing that I should tell how you came by the money, oh? I guess you'd keep still even if I tried the same trick over again. I wouldn't try it and see I paid the money back, and you can't keep me still that way. I'm pitching on the team now, and I want to see it win. Too bad you're going to be so keenly disappointed. You won't do any pitching against Wyndham. That's a cinch. Elliot has been forced to take you up as a makeshift since losing Springer. But you'll be used only in the minor games. Grant will do all the heavy work in the big games and get all the glory. The first time I heard you talk, Cook, I thought you had some real spirit, but I found out you're just a common, weak-kneed, aspiring sycophant, ready to feed on crumbs and lick the hands of those that fling them to you. You know, I've heard about enough from you, snarled Hooker. I think you'd better get out. I don't want to put my hands on you, but I shall if you stay any longer and shoot off your mouth. I think you and I will call it quits, Radcliffe. I want no further dealings with you. Now let me tell you before you go that if I find out you're up to any of your tricks Saturday, I'll put the fellows wise. You can't frighten me into keeping still. Herbert rose and walked to the door. You poor fawning dub, he said. You'll be blacking Elliot's boots next. I'm glad to be done with you. But don't forget what I said. It's fixed so Wyndham's dead sure to win Saturday. I'm going to bet every cent I can raise on it. Well, I'm glad I'm done with him, murmured Roy, closing the door as Herbert went coughing down the gravel drive. End of chapter 23 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan